look, but he said, hey, as we sing, uh, just turn your palms up like this. Did anybody catch that? Okay, the reason he told you to do this is because he's wanting you to catch something. Think about this for a moment. The Christian life is primarily about receiving. The Christian life is primarily about receiving. Because the Christian life is about the gospel. The word gospel means good news. See, religion is about achieving, but the gospel is about receiving. The gospel is good news of great joy for all people. Religion is about achieving, but the gospel is about receiving. Religion is basically advice. This is what you have to do to work your way to God. The gospel is good news of great joy. This is what God has done to work his way to you and into the person of Jesus. We don't earn our way to God. We receive the reality that God worked his way to, to us. The Christian life is primarily about about receiving while religion is about achieving, which means the most powerful moments in your life will be moments of receiving. God in his essence is, is relational. Just, just think about this. So life is about relationship with, with God. I, I don't know if you've ever thought about this before, but when we talk about the family of God, we're talking about each other, uh, brothers and sisters in Jesus. But God in his grace literally invites you into the fellowship of, of the Trinity. Think about this with me. It was ordained by the Father. It was accomplished through the Son, through his death, burial, and resurrection. And it's sealed and held together and experienced in the Holy Spirit. So that the scripture teaches that you and I, in and through our faith in Jesus, can call God Father. Through our faith in Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit. God is our Father, Jesus. There's this connection like a brother, and the Holy Spirit seals it all. Life is about relationships. That's why we were born. In the end, all that matters is, is God and, and people. So yesterday we talked about wisdom. Today I want to talk about this relationship principle, this relational principle that's taught throughout Scripture. What I want to talk to you about this morning is the chief virtue of the Christian life. In fact, if you and I do not practice this virtue, we will not experience the power of God in our lives. It's the chief virtue of the Christian life, and all other godly virtues flow, flow through it. I'm talking about humility. Humility. Which begs the question, what, what is humility? Have you ever been told you're not humble? I have. I know that's hard for you to imagine. <laughs> as, our, as our church got, got larger and, and, and things changed, every once in a while somebody would be upset with me ab about something and they would come and say, hey, you're, you're not who you used to be. And anytime somebody says that, you're not who you used to be, I always say, well, I, hurt, I certainly hope so. I hope I'm not growing. Like I hope I'm growing, right? Like I, I hope I'm, I'm changing. And, and as things grow, leadership changes and, and, and all of that. But if somebody says you're not humble, how do you argue with that? Yes, I am. I'm really humble. I'm the, 
most humble person I know, right? I'm going to tell you how to win that argument. This is just a little pastor bonus. You, you ready? When, if somebody ever says, hey, you're not humble, just look at, look at them and go, oh, it's far worse than I think. That's how you win that argument. You with me? I mean, like if somebody wants to give you the award for humility and you accept it, do you lose it? What, what is humility? Well, relationally, humility is simply this. It's reality. Biblically, humility is reality. Humility is divine. And it's the chief virtue of the Christian life. We see this in this outline. All other godly virtues flow, flow through it. Because the Christian life is not about earning. The Christian life is not about achieving. The Christian life is about, is about receiving. The most famous song in modern Christian history is not called Amazing Effort. It's called Amazing What? Grace. Grace is not something you achieve. Grace is something you realize you need, and in that, you, you receive. Humility is the chief virtue of the Christian life. Religion is achieving. This is what you've got to do to work your way to God. It's advice on how to do that. Christianity is something different. It's good news of great joy for all people. This is what God has done to work his way to you and into the person of Jesus. You don't achieve it. You choose whether or not you will believe and receive. Yesterday, I showed you this passage of scripture in James, James chapter 3. I want to look at um, a there, and then we're going to dive into 1 Peter chapter 5. James chapter 3, verse 13. James writes, who is wise and understanding among you? We talked about wisdom yesterday as it pertains to relationships. Wisdom is relational. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life. Wisdom is not about what you know. Wisdom is about what you show. Wisdom is not about your smarts. Wisdom is not about your IQ. It's about what you and I choose to, to do. Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in the, what's the next word? Humility that comes from, from wisdom. So humility, biblically speaking, is reality. Humility is, is simply honesty. And humility is the chief virtue of the Christian life. This is 1 Peter chapter 5. Beginning in verse 5, the second part of the verse, follow along with me as Peter writes about humility. Now, I want you to think about Peter for a second. Um, for those of you who know the story of Peter, you know that Peter, I can so relate to Peter. Peter has foot and mouth disease, right? He always says dumb things. Um, Peter is aggressive. Peter is passionate. Peter is the guy that would deny Jesus not once, not twice, but three times. After the resurrection, Jesus meets Peter there on the beach. I've been to Israel. I've been on that beach. And he restores Peter. And Peter is the guy that preaches about Jesus. 3,000 people give their life to Jesus. And the New Testament church is, is born. But Peter learned humility. Peter learned the reality of who he was versus who Jesus was. And it's new for him. Peter writes this about humility. Clothe yourselves, all of you which would include all of us. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility. Toward who? 
one another. Humility towards God? No, no, no. Right here at this part of the verse, humility towards who? One another. How do we do that? What does that mean? How does that work? We're going to break it down. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another. God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. That statement right there is why humility is the chief virtue of the Christian life. Because God opposes the who? The proud, but gives grace to the who? Humble. Everybody look at me here for a second. You cannot receive grace without humility. Humility opens the door to the reception of grace. Because pride says I don't need grace. Pride says I got it. Pride says I'm good. Pride closes the door on grace. But humility allows it in. God opposes the proud but gives grace to the who? The humble. This is why humility is the chief virtue of the Christian life. Because all other godly virtues flow through the power of God's grace in and through our lives. No humility, no grace. No grace, catch this now, no God. No God in your life. No humility, no grace, no grace, no God in your life. The power of God, the presence of, of God, the peace of God flows through the door of humility. It's the chief virtue of the Christian life. The Christian life is not about achieving. Aren't you glad? The Christian life is not about earning. The Christian life is about receiving. God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Verse 6. So, you might want to humble yourselves, <laughs> right? Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time He may exalt you. So we're going to practice humility toward one another, and we're going to humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God. Verse 7. Casting all your anxieties on God, because He cares for you. He cares for you. believe that God cares for you. See, if the Christian life is not about achieving, if it's about believing and receiving, then all of the Christian life is about God's love for you. All of the Christian life is about God's care for, for you, which means God loves you today as you are, not as you should be, because none of us are as we should be. Humility opens the door to God's grace. It's not about achieving. It's about believing and receiving. Casting all your fears, all your anxieties, all your shame, all your concern on Him because He cares for you. Be sober-minded. What does that mean? Be honest. We're practicing humility. Humility is about reality. Be sober-minded. Be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Resist him firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of sufferings are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. I'm going to give you three things about humility today, but put this at the top. This is kind of a big thought. Humility is the key to receiving love. Humility is the key to receiving so what is humility? Humility is reality. Humility is, is, is honesty. You, you know who gets humility? Little kids get humility. 
I mean, like before we mess them up. A four-year-old, a three-year-old, three- and four-year-olds get humility. If, if you're asking yourself, am I humble? Like, you ask that about yourself, am I humble? Um, here would be the first question. Um, can you laugh at yourself? Think about this. The word humor and the word humility come from the same root. Little kids get this. Little kids, before life messes them up, little kids know how to have joy in life. Little kids know how to, hear this word, receive, receive love. As they are. Not as they, not as they should be. Little kids know how to receive grace. I, I, I remember when um, Jackson, uh, my, my youngest, he's 12 now, way back when he was four. Uh, we live in Arizona, and uh, in August in Arizona, it's, it's monsoon season. Uh, August and the first part of September. Have you guys ever seen those pictures of the big dust storms that come into Phoenix? They call them uh, haboobs is what they call those uh, big dust storms. But they'll come in and everything's kind of covered in, in dust. And uh, it, it'll be hot and it'll be kind of stale and dry. And then all of a sudden the air uh, will, will begin to have humidity in it. And the wind will begin to blow. And rain seems to come out of nowhere. And sometimes that dust storm comes, comes, comes with it. But it was August and my wife and our two boys, we went out to dinner. And while we were at dinner, uh, one of those storms came through in monsoon season. And so we came home to our house, and we have a swimming pool in, in the backyard. And we walk into our house, and we look in the backyard, and the lawn chairs are in the pool because the great storm had happened. Being the leader that I am, I look at my family as we looked at the lawn chairs in the pool, and I said, fear not, family, we will be big. So I said, let's go get our swimsuits on and we'll go get the lawn chairs out and we'll swim because the storm had, had passed. And so uh, my oldest son goes upstairs to put his swimsuit on. My wife goes upstairs to put her swimsuit on. And Jackson, our four-year-old, doesn't do that. He just strips down to his birthday suit and goes and jumps in the pool. Why? Because he's four years old, right? And nobody can see in our backyard and all that and, and the innocence of, of a child. So I get my swimsuit on and I go in the pool as well, and we're all swimming around. We've got our swimsuits on. Jackson's got his birthday suit on. And Jackson swims up to me and says, Dad, will you throw me in a cannonball? And I said, no. He's like, come on, Dad, throw me in a cannonball. I'm like, no, Jackson. He's like, why? I said, because you don't have any clothes on. I said, and if I pick you up to throw you in a cannonball in cannonball position with no clothes on, my hand might slip or something. No, I'm not going to do that. He said, don't worry, Dad. I'll just clench my butt cheeks. <laughs> now, believe it or not, that's biblical humility. Think with me. Jackson's not trying to be cool in that moment. Jackson's not faking it. Jackson's not putting on airs. He's not trying to be dignified. He's not trying to impress. All he wants to do, right, is experience the joy of the relationship that we listen now. Humility is the key to receiving love from God and from everybody else. Think with me. 
only way to experience the real love of God and the real love of people is to be courageous enough to be the real you. Humility is how love is received. I'm not trying to impress anyone. I'm I'm not faking it. But since the real me in all the reality is who I am, for better or for worse, and will you love me? And in that kind of relationship, love is experienced. If you're taking notes, write this down. The more prideful you are, the lonelier you will be. The more prideful you are, the lonelier you will be. Can you laugh at yourself? Can you be honest with yourself, with God, and with others? Because the only way to experience real love is to be courageous enough to be the real you. Three things about humility in this passage of Scripture. Number one, uh, humility is a choice. Humility is a choice. Peter writes, clothe yourselves with humility toward one another. How many of you chose to put on your clothes today? Just a show of hands. Yep, unlike Jackson, we would have noticed if you didn't. Thank you for doing that. Which means humility is something that we choose. This is important, just like wisdom. Humility is not something you feel. Humility is something you do. Okay? You, you choose to put, it, to put it on. Humility is about honesty. If you're taking notes, write this down. Pride is about pretending. And humility is about reality. Pride is about pretending. And humility is about reality. Do you know what humility is biblically? Here's what it is. It's a trust word. That's what it is. It's a trust word. Biblical humility is trusting God and others with the real me. God, this is me. And I trust you. I'm not trying to earn. I'm not trying to impress. I'm not trying to put on airs. God, this is the real me. And God loves the real you. Uh, For some of you, everybody outside, inside, that's God's word for you this week. He loves the real you. The you that you're ashamed of, the you that you don't like, the you that is a secret, God knows exactly that you, and He loves you as you are, fully and completely. The Bible says while you were still a sinner, He died for you. You cannot shock God. Let let me me just really push on this for a second. Did you know you can't disappoint God? Just let this sink in. You're going to have to think with me. You can't disappoint someone that knows the future. Disappointment, by definition, is I expected this and you did this. Oh, I'm disappointed. God already knows what you're going to do. This is why Jesus came and died on the cross 2,000 years before you ever were. And Romans 5, 8 says, God proved his love for you in this. While you were still a sinner, Christ died for you. God knew it was coming. And he knew you would need a Savior. And you have one. His name is Jesus. This is why the scriptures tell us in Hebrews that we take our sin to God. We don't run from him. We take it to him so that he can help us in our time of need. One of the things I tell our church, why do we try to play poker with God? You can't play poker with God. He knows what's in your hand. 
And so what do we do through our faith in Jesus? It was ordained by God, our salvation, his grace. We don't earn it, we receive it. It was ordained by God, it was established through the Son, it's sealed by the Holy Spirit. We boldly approach the throne and we say, Father, here I am, help. Help. Did you know that's actually what repentance is? Repentance is a duo 180. A 180 in what? In the original word in the Greek, a 180 in your thinking. I'm not counting on myself anymore. I'm not depending in, anymore. In humility and in reality, I repent. And I receive from the Father all that he has for me in and through the person of Jesus. Humility is a choice. It, it's a choice just to be, to be honest. Humility is a choice. Uh, number two, humility invites God's love to work in my life. Humility invites God to work in my life. Peter wrote this way, humble yourselves under God's mighty hand that he may lift you up. Think about this with me. So humility invites God's love. It invites God to work in, in my life. Taking notes, write this one down. God can't love who you're pretending to be because that person does not exist. God can't love who you're pretending to be because that person does not exist. There was a time um, in our marriage, and, and it, it so happens um, in the relationship with Katrina and I, where I will start feeling lonely. And, and for a long time, I, I just projected onto her that that was her fault. It's her fault that I feel lonely, because after all, she is responsible for all my feelings, right? <laughs> just let that one sink in. Some of you are going, what? Wait, they're not responsible for all of our feelings? No. You know who's responsible for your feelings? You are. Right? But I would feel lonely, and so I, I, I would think to myself, it must be her fault that I'm, I'm lonely. But as time went on, and as I studied the scriptures, and as I listened to wise people, and as we went to marriage counseling, and as we got help with all of these things, because I told you yesterday, I've been a relational idiot for most uh, of, my, of my life. Katrina and I were talking last night. Man, our family of origin shapes us in ways that we not, cannot possibly fathom. It is such a powerful thing. And both of us come from uh, brokenness. But here's what I realized. I'm lonely. You know, it must be her fault that I, 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 feel, I feel lonely. And then when it came down to it, I had to admit this truth. I'm not being honest with her. Which means she's trying to love me. And she can't because I won't allow it. If I'm not honest with her when she's hugging me, she's not hugging the real me. She's hugging this person that I'm presenting to her that doesn't exist. When she's trying to kiss me and, and, and comfort me and, and I'm not honest, she's not actually kissing and comforting the real me. She's kissing and comforting this person that I'm projecting which doesn't exist. And there's a massive gap between me and her 
because she's trying to love someone that doesn't exist. Did you know that Jesus was the first person to use the word hypocrite the way that we use it? In Jesus' day and time, a hypocrite was an actor. Hypokritos is, is, is the Greek word. And so um, women didn't play on the stage in that day and time. Usually you would have like two men, and they would have all of these masks behind them. And during the play, they would pick up the mask, and, and, and they would be, you know, like the damsel in distress. Help me, help me, save me, right? And then they would take off that mask, and then they would put on the mask of the villain. <laughs> and they would take off that mask, and then they would put on the mask of the hero. Here I come to save the day. They were hypocrites. They were actors. They were mask wearers. So when I wear a mask with my wife, she wants to love me. She wants to care for me. She wants to comfort me. But she's not getting to the real me because all I'm giving her is the mask. She's trying to love someone that does not exist. But men, here's what we say, right? I'll just pick on the guys for a second. Here's what we say. But I don't want her to worry. No, 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 no. You just don't want to look bad, right? It's, it's, it, it's not that. And it could be in some level you don't want her to worry, but that's why God gave her to you so you guys could partner together in the worries. This is what intimacy is. This is what God wants for you. This is the mystery of two becoming one for life. It's this is the real me. I don't like it. I'm not proud of it. Will you love me anyway? When that starts happening and that grace is exchanged, that's when marriage gets really that's when it gets close. That's when loneliness dissipates and intimacy increases. That's when two become, become one. If we're going to experience real love, we've got to be courageous enough to be the real us. And the beautiful thing about the Christian life, because it's not earning, none of us have to fake it. Now, usually at church, you know, that's where we go to pretend. Hey, how are you today? I'm good. I'm good. I'm all good. Shut up, kids. We're good. And yet church is supposed to be the place where, James 5, 16, we confess our sins to each other and pray for each other so that we may be healed. That's one of the reasons why God put together the church. Did you know that? It's so that we in humility could walk together and help each other in our time of need. I don't know most of you, but I love you and all of you were screwed up beginning with me. We were born with this nature that just wants to do stupid things. And so we've got to fight it. We've got to be honest about it. This is what it means when the Bible says, walk in the light as he is in the light. What does light do? It exposes. That's why Jesus says, nobody wants to go my route because light exposes. And our deeds are evil, so we want to hide them. What is the scripture saying? There's freedom for you. You are loved as you are, not as you should be. And today, no matter where you've been, what you've done, or what's been done to you, God loves you. And there's a hope for you. And hope has a name. And his name is Jesus. So just let it all out. Just give it all to him. Because it's not about earning. It's about receiving. It's not about, I mean, it's good news of great joy for all people. That's what the gospel is. You don't achieve news. You choose whether or not you will believe and, and receive it. Humility opens the door to the love of God. Humility opens the door to the love of people. And we will never experience love until we're courageous enough to be the real us. Number three, and, and this one's kind of from left field, stay with me. Humility protects me 
from being eaten. What? Humility protects me from being eaten. Peter says the devil prowls around like a roaring lion seeking somebody to devour. Do you know how lions hunt? Here's how lions hunt. If you're a male lion, you got a pretty good gig in life. Because all male lions do is eat, sleep, and help make little lions. That's it. The female lions do all the work. And all the ladies are thinking, sounds like home, right? Here's how lions hunt. The female lions will go out to hunt. And they'll try to find a gazelle, and they'll try to separate, listen to this, they'll try to separate the gazelle from, from, from the group. And the bad news uh, for the gazelle is there's a lot of female lions. The good news for the gazelle is the gazelle is faster than the lion. And so if the gazelle is smart, the gazelle will go to thick brush, thick covering, because the gazelle is small and the lions are big. And as long as the gazelle stays in the thick covering, the gazelle is protected. That's where the male lion comes in. The female lions will go back to the male lion, get the male lion, and the male lion will come back to this place of protective covering where the gazelle is safe, and the male lion will roar. Have you ever heard the roar of a male lion? Like, like not just on TV with MGM, but like in real life. Have you ever heard that? It's terrifying. Uh, at our church, we do a lot of work in South Africa through an organization called Orchard Africa. And one of the first times I went there, they took us to a lion farm where they, they breed lions. And I got to hold little Simba, you know, with the bottle. Like I had that little beautiful moment, you know, lifted up the little lion, like had the Lion King moment. Some of you know what I'm talking about. This one particular moment, there's this massive albino male lion, solid white, blue eyes, beautiful. And it's in a pen, like chain link fence. And so the male lion is like right where you are, sir, like from me to you. Kind of kind of wave your hand like you're like a, about that distance, okay? And, and there's just a chain link fence in, in between us. And so the guy that's in charge of the lion farm, I'm like, hey, um, are we good? Like, can that male lion get me? We got this chain link fence. He's like, no, not really. That chain link fence can't keep that lion out, right? And then he said, but don't worry, he doesn't know that. And so I'm thinking, all right, I'm, I'm going to be goofy, you know. So I'm leaning down, and I'm looking at this massive male lion because, you know, he doesn't know he can't get through the chain link fence. And I'm being an idiot, and I'm going, hey, kitty, kitty, kitty. And I'm like, I'm not a cat person. How many of you are cat people? Yeah, you're not my people. How many of you dog people? Okay, my people right there. Okay, I'm just kidding. If you're a cat person, Jesus loves you and, and your cat. Okay. I don't love your cat, but Jesus does. I'm going, here, kitty, 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 kitty. And I didn't know this, but the guy that runs the lion farm is behind me, and he starts provoking that male lion. So I'm being all goofy, you know, the lion's like right there, here, kitty, kitty, kitty. He's provoking the male lion, and all of a sudden, the lion's mane kind of goes back, and I saw his face kind of change, and he roared at me. And I can tell you right now, if you're having digestive issues, the roar of a male lion will help that, right? It'll, it'll solve that, that problem. I mean, I literally just shook. The gazelle is in the protective covering, and the male lion comes and roars. 
And what happens is that gazelle is so terrified by the roar that it jumps out. And when it does, what happens? Female lions attack it. It's, it's devoured. I don't know that Peter knew the brilliance of what he's writing here. But the Holy Spirit knew. Let me ask you a question. What do you call a pack of lions? You call it a what? A pride. Do you know what humility is? It's to protect its family. If you're taking notes, write this down. Confession is most powerful when you confess the sin you're thinking about doing. Confession is most powerful when you confess the sin you're thinking about doing. What is humility? We've talked about it. It's reality. Humility is honesty. Pride is about pretending. Humility is about reality. When you and I relationally just walk in the light, as the Bible says, we're just continually honest. When you and I walk in humility, it's a protective covering in our life. Pride comes before the fall, but humility will protect us all. When we're honest, when we're allowing love in, it protects us. The devil is a lion, and Jesus said the devil is a liar. Those roars are lies. They won't love you. They won't like you. God won't accept you. They won't accept you. All of that is the roar of a lion that has been defeated. We've got to learn to step into the reality of God's amazing grace. It's not amazing effort. It's not amazing earning. It's amazing faith. And humility opens the door to his love. Humility opens the door to the love of God and the love of people. If we're going to experience the love, we've got to be courageous enough to be realized. Humility is the chief virtue of the Christian life. All other godly virtues flow from it. Let's pray together. Would you pray with me? With our heads bowed and our eyes closed outside and inside, um, it could be that today, maybe for the first time in your life, the truth of the gospel and the truth of God's grace in Jesus, it clicked. And something in your heart just kind of went, wait a minute, I don't earn it, all I can do is love. you're feeling that this morning and that's tugging on you, I want to help you receive His grace in your life right now. It could be you've come to church a lot. It could be that you haven't been at all. All of that is kind of irrelevant to what we're talking about at this moment. Have you ever had a moment in your life when you went, wait a second, I can't earn anything. It's all grace. I'm going to open the door of my life to humility to God. That's you, I can help you do that right now. The Bible teaches that we do that by trusting Jesus as our Savior and as the leader of our life. If you want to do that right now in your own heart and mind, quietly, here's where you are. I'll pray with you. Say, Jesus, I need you. I'll just confess with you. Would you come? I'm a sinner. 
life today. Let's not change. So in humility, I trust you. I receive you. I invite you into my life. That's something. Thank him for being your Savior. Thank you for being your Savior. Let's ask him to lead us. Will you lead me? Will you lead me from this day forward here in church? And I trust you with it. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Let me pray for all of us. Father, give us wisdom as we close. I'm reminded in this moment that the most common command in the Bible is not to fear. And yet all of us, if we're honest, we're afraid. And yet your perfect love drives out, casts out all that fear. So may we all in humility in this moment just choose to receive. Teach us, we pray. And may we experience the joy of your amazing grace. In Jesus' name. Chad, um, if that was you that prayed that prayer um, there at the end, um, you're in good company. You're in good company of the people who have prayed that prayer in this room um, over the years uh, here at Mount Hermon. And um, maybe one of the most humbling things that you can do is tell someone. Tell someone that that was you today. Maybe you, like Chad said, you've been in church for 50 years, and now is the first time that you've felt that connection with the Lord, prayed that prayer, and maybe one of the most humbling things you can do is to tell somebody to have them celebrate with you this morning. And so, um, if that is you, welcome to the family. We are glad you are here, um, here at Mount Hermon with us this week. And so, um, we're going to take a short break um, here, about 20 minutes or so now. And uh, you'll, the video will come back on. It's kind of your cue to start making your way back. And then we'll um, be back again with uh, Mark for uh, Mark, both Luke and Mark for a time of uh, worship and then lunch. So you guys are dismissed. We'll see you back in here in about 20 minutes.